0: Trending on Twitter, I'll tell you that much right now. Um, yeah, Kingdom of God we did last week, and, and the signs and wonders. Uh, Elise did that two weeks ago. The major religious groups. Rob did that a couple weeks ago. The vocation of rabbi, the healings. Um, Brian, never forget the healings and 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 the drawing that you did. That was great. Um, the Sermon on the Mount, Brian quoting William Barclay, the, the, one of the true legends of, uh, of commentaries. Uh, and so answering all these questions, what I want to do this morning is, you know, we were going to talk about demons. We were going to talk about um, how Jesus approached demons, uh, what Jesus thought about demons. And I was thinking this morning, instead of kind of doing the full, you know, explain like I'm five sermon, um, I want to do something called Lectio Divina. We've, we've done this in the past as a church. The idea here behind Lectio Divina, and we're going to look at a demon passage, but the idea here behind Lectio Divina, it's what's called a, you know, it's a Latin phrase for divine reading. So it's a little bit more, um, it's a little bit more in this kind of second piece of more of a saturation or a meditation. Some people kind of call it a fly on the wall, right? You're just, you're you're sitting in a, a narrative of text, as if you were a fly on the wall, right? A lot of times when we approach the Bible, we kind of start in that first realm where we're seeking information or we're trying to study or knowledge or we're trying to get the moral of the story or what's the point of what's happening here. But this kind of Lectio Divina is a slower way to kind of read the text and engage the text. Um, Again, just saturate or, or meditate. I know some of you, I'm looking at my barbecues here. One, two... Ronnie said he was smoking something. I guess that's kind of the new that's like kind of the new um marinating is smoking, right? Like do, do you do you do you marinate anything when you? Do you marinate and then smoke it? Ronnie? I just normally go with uh, a rub of some sort on top. And then it's, so maybe I just need to instead of marinate I'll just start saying smoking, but then obviously that has all sorts of double connotations that would confuse you guys. So anyway, I want to do that this morning. You guys know that I've I've used this book and Jan's a great friend of mine. <clears throat> um, Meeting God in Scripture. This is a book full of these kind of lectio divina activities. There's 40 guided meditations, um, and this is so much of this is just kind of from her book, Meeting God in Scripture. But again, if if you enjoy this kind of what we're going to do this morning, if this is something that's helpful, Dietra, I know you've used this book in the past and read this book. Um, I know my wife has. I know we've used it here in the church at different points. Um, But just a great book for, uh, yeah, just like a devotional book, 40 small devotionals that you can go through. Jan's helped me in in my personal life understand this. So we're going to do this Lectio Divina based off a passage in Luke 13 this morning. Um, I have it printed out. If you want to pass those around. And I'm going to pass around a pen too because I think that there might be some Some writing as well. Just one per person? Yeah, one per person. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll take that. Is that it? Yeah. Good. Did I give you a pen? All right, so I'll give some instructions on, you know, as we kind of walk through this, you'll get some instructions. The first thing to do as is, is you kind of engage Lectio Divina as you kind of sit down to, to read the scriptures in this way. And we're going to do the best we can with, with the little kids in the background, but it's really just to kind of quiet our hearts, right? To take a few moments to like say, okay, there's a lot going on today. There's a lot on my mind. There's a lot that I need on my to-do list, but it's a moment to just kind of relax, settle in. And breathe. So let's just take maybe a minute or so to kind of relax, settle in, and breathe. As you do that, as you kind of you know inhale and exhale, I want you to think about this question to kind of get us going this morning. Who is a person you'd like to see set free? And from what? And how long have they suffered or oppressed? So just take a minute, calm yourself, think about that question. Take some deep breaths. Take two more deep cleansing breaths. And when you're ready, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to read the printed text. And then there are some notes at the bottom to help kind of frame what's happening in the text. So read that slowly. Read the notes. And then after you've read that, just read the verses again. Just read again the verses only. And if you want to use your pen to make any notes or um, underline or anything, that's fine. July son. Thank you. You're welcome. Alright, if you're done reading it, I want you to to kind of just put the page to the side. And this time we're just gonna listen to it. So we're gonna engage this this narrative in a different way. We've kind of had that chance to read it, so now you should know the narrative. And if you just allow me to read it to you and you'll just listen to it. And again, we're just kind of meditating in this verse, we're just kinda um yeah, we're just kind of sitting in this verse for or these verses this passage for a little bit. So and you can just put the passage aside and just listen. One Sabbath day, while Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, he encountered a seriously handicapped woman. She was crippled and had been doubled over for 18 years. Her condition was caused by a demonic spirit of bondage that had left her unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her condition, he called her to him and gently laid His hands on her. Then he said, Dear woman, you are free. I release you forever from this crippling spirit. Instantly she stood up, she stood straight and tall and overflowed with glorious praise to God. The Jewish leader, who was in charge of the synagogue, was infuriated over Jesus' healing on the Sabbath day. Six days you are to work, he shouted angrily to the crowd. On those days you should come here for healing, but not on the seventh day. The Lord replied, you hypocrites, don't you care for your animals on the Sabbath, untying your ox or donkey from the stall and leading it away to water? If you do this for your animals, what's wrong with allowing this beloved daughter of Abraham, who had been bound by Satan, for 18 long years, to be untied and set free on a Sabbath day. When they heard this, his critics were completely humiliated, but the crowds shouted with joy over the glorious things Jesus was doing among them. Now, what I want us to do here. 're um, we 're going to do something a little different to engage this text so here 's what we 're going to do and then I got a couple questions on the different characters we 're going to counter the four characters the woman, the crowd, the synagogue ruler, and jesus but but i want I want to put us in, in in the in the shoes of the woman just for one second so everybody 's going to need to stand up and we 're going to do this for one minute okay and if if you if you want. Not if you want, (laughs) you're going to. You don't have to walk around, but you're going to be bent over for one minute, okay? If you want to walk around and see what it's like to be bent over and walk around for a minute the way that this woman would have been for 18 years, you can do that. Or you can kind of stand at your seat and just do this for one minute, okay? Or if you want to go for the extra credit, you can walk around for one minute like this, okay? So go ahead, one minute. Well, you are, no yeah. Now, what I want us to do, because we're kind of coming up on this minute, what I want us to do next is we kind of walk around looking at the floor, I want you to walk up to someone else, and I want you to have a conversation with them, and the two questions that I want to, I want you to talk to them, I want you just to ask them, I want you to ask them what the best part of their week was and what the worst part, and each person has to answer, and it doesn't have to be long but just talk to somebody in this posture. This is the best part of my week, by the way. <laughs> See if you can make eye contact too while someone's talking <laughs> yeah you can you can if you're done you can you can go ahead and release and sit down. Yeah. 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 From meditation, relaxed, <laughs> and it just <laughs> bent over. What's that? Are we going to exercise every Sunday? Exercise, yeah. That's That's the normal. Okay, how many people sweat? Sweated during that? Yeah, so the woman here, let's, let's think about the woman. And, and here's what I want us to think about with the woman. Um, I want us to kind of kind of share your observations from walking around hunched over. Um, how was it having a conversation with someone? I mean, Brian, you said you got kind of sweaty. Um, and for that minute or so, did you experience any physical discomfort And how severe? So just turn to the person next to you and just, you know, hey, what was your observations from encountering in that time? come Yeah, so we get, a, we get a little, you know, and again, this woman, we, we were like, kind of like, is, is, it, is time up yet? <laughs> After like two minutes. In 18 years, this woman's been hunched over, right? And you know, the, the thing that struck me this morning, and as I was reading it, and just kind of meditating on it, we, I guarantee that you imagine, she, you picture as some elderly woman who's probably well into her 70s or 80s, and you know, there she is, this, this poor old woman, hunched over. You know, life expectancy in that time would have been maybe 30 or 40 years max. Um, so you're probably talking of a, young, a younger woman who's been hunched over for, for this. And that kind of changes the dynamic a little bit when you think about this woman. Um, the, the kind of moving on to the synagogue ruler. So Jesus calls her forward which means she did not ask for help, right? A lot of times in the Gospels, you see people, you see blind Bartimaeus crying out, Lord, uh, Jesus, Son Son of the Most High God, have mercy on me, a sinner. She doesn't. Of the possible reasons listed below, which one resonates with you most and why? So she thought, Jesus can't help me or Jesus wouldn't want to help me. She thought, after all, my problem isn't life-threatening. It's uncomfortable, but it's not life-threatening. She thought, maybe God wants me to be bent over because of a sin I committed. And this will teach me a lesson. She was afraid because of the critics, the religious leaders that were present. Maybe maybe she had become hard and bitter, learning to do things on her own, not asking for help. Again, we close our eyes and we see this sweet old woman at least I do, you know, and she's a poor woman. She's bent over, but she's sweet and kind and she looks a little deformed. But what about this way that this might have hardened her heart and made her bitter and cynical? Maybe there's another one. So again, think about those and there's no right answer here. I'm not going to say, yeah, number two is right or number four. What resonates with you out of those things uh, as we think about this, you know, this, this, this woman? over, right? Because it doesn't say how much hunched over or you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's just hunched over, withdrawing, you know, like basically everything you said there would be like, no one wants to help me or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Learn like, you know, to do stuff yourself, isolate, Yeah. you know, and so, because um, there's lots of different forms of depression, but like, you know, severe, you can actually physically see the people you know, they're less Turn in on you know, themselves, they, yeah. You know, walking out that, like right. when even a kid loses a game, you know, they, they get like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I was wondering if it's some yeah, like you know, someone possessing her shed that deep depression. And, just, yeah. you know, other, yeah. and that's you know, I think in the notes too, that's kind of kind of in, in the very much in the vein of what N.T. Wright was was kind of saying, you know. Could that have been from her past? Could that have been something that happened that created this deformity? Yeah. Anyone else? Third the third one? Yeah, I, I can definitely see how she can grow a little bit of a resentment towards God. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. and then to kind of the psychological side of it of going through your life and nitpicking what you've done and say, okay, I deserve this because of something yeah. that was probably not worth it. Yeah. And, and not only was that a popular opinion of the day, when Jesus heals the man who was born blind and they ask who committed the sin, him or his parents, that he would be born blind, right? To have a physical ailment was some sort of punishment or that was the popular mentality was sort of a punishment from God, right? Um, So this would have been very much in the realm that she has committed some sort of sin, that there was sin in her life that she would have this. Uh, What's interesting about that is we often still think like that today just in more subtle ways, right? God's punishing me somehow. If I do this, that will happen. Well, the reason this is happening... Yeah, that's 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 a really kind of important one then and now for us to consider, Brian. Yeah, I can connect that too. Which is a part you haven't talked about is spiritual. Mm-hmm. Like in the twelve-step program, if you have something like you said, maybe she was abused or something. Mm-hmm. Like you don't realize that if you don't free yourself or ask God to free yourself from that spiritual blindness, mm-hmm. that you actually carry it with you in your eyes and your spirit and you use that subconsciously to make your daily decisions. Right. And um, I'll end with this. It's part of the, that 12 step is when you actually address all those and free yourself. Of mm-hmm. and so you didn't really address the spiritual part of it also. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Let's move on to the synagogue ruler. Um and I'm going to speed it up a little bit because I know that we're, we're, kind, of running, we're kind of running short. Uh, turn to the person next to you and, and think about these. Why doesn't the synagogue ruler address Jesus directly? He speaks to the crowd. Uh, he has no respect for Jesus or his ministry. Instead, trying to shepherd his own flock. He's trying to shame and discredit Jesus' miracle. Uh, he was intimidated by Jesus and trying to cling to power and personal honor or other. Again, just turn to the person next to you. Just take 30 seconds. And which one stands out to you? Yeah, let's, um, sorry to interrupt. I know we're, we're kind of, some folks are kind of having conversations. Feel free to kind of jump back and forth on these. But like I said, I know we're kind of running short. Uh, Jesus may have been uh, irritated at the synagogue ruler and the religious leaders, but what, uh, but would, but which of, yeah, little typo there. But which of these other possibilities seems more likely? Uh, maybe Jesus was grieved, pained, saddened to see someone care more about a law than life. Jesus was able to speak um, the truth in love when indirectly attacked. Maybe he was laughing, in essence saying, "Look, I know that you are merciful people. I know because you take care of your donkeys. Why should this woman suffer longer than a donkey? Um, healing is the perfect thing to do on the Sabbath. What better day to relieve the suffering and bring new life?" Again, other um, turn to the person next to you. Again, thirty seconds um, as you think about Jesus's response. Because sometimes we, you know, we, we think that we see angry Jesus here and and. Is there another um, possibility? All right, last one. The people. The, why do you think the people shouted with joy at Jesus' response? They knew that the healing glorified God, and they were delighted with the beauty of that truth. They were tired of religious leaders who didn't seem to sincerely care about them. They were burdened under the weight of keeping all the laws perfectly. But again, is there another reason that comes to mind? Why are they shouting with joy at Jesus' response? Yes, a, on this yeah. Was the synagogue known, and this is my lack of historical knowledge on it, but were they known for serving like community wise within their within their tribe? Because some of the doctrine I've read is that they didn't really help. They just kind of mm-hmm. tended to the people who came to them, but they mm-hmm. never went out and seeked them. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know if I have a, a, a solid answer on that that I would feel comfortable kind of declaring as, like, as the way. The reason I bring it up because two is the one that really stands, stands out to me. is we're tired of the religious leaders and the, um, the idolatry of Mm-hmm. You've seen a ripple. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and going back to the synagogue ruler and um, Jesus, like, why... I guess I'm tied up more on, like, why are they... Why is the ruler thinking that healing... Is a form of work. Yeah. Like if, you're, if someone's sick, they're going to go get help, seek medical or, I don't know. Um, Why couldn't you do that any of the other six days of the week? Right? Jesus would do this. Jesus would subvert uh, the, the traditions and the norms and the laws because they had become so set in their traditions and norms and laws that he had to make these actions on these days to illustrate to them not only not only Jesus's, I would say, superiority over the laws, right? When, when they, early on when his disciples are picking grain on the Sabbath, the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath, right? Even over the laws, even over one of the Ten Commandments. I am Lord over all those commandments. So not only do we have to establish his superiority, over those commands, but he would have to do these things sometimes in shocking ways to really jolt them out of their modes of, of thinking. Let me do this, and, and I know that we could, we might have to do this again, because this was really helpful, I think, to, to engage the text. I don't do this probably enough. I want to read this one last time, and as I'm reading this one last time, I want, um, I want you to, um, again, picture the passage I want you to kind of consider what moment or action or phrase that stands out to you. Um, Jan would use the phrase, uh, what falls on your ear? What makes you pause? Okay, so maybe you want to circle that, parentheses that, underline it. You just are, again, we're kind of listening. Maybe you've already had something that's made you pause that's that stands out to you. And then following, you know, kind of be considering how does this connect to your life, right? And then you're going to respond. I think I have one more point here too. You're going to respond. I want you to, we'll have a moment to spend some time in quiet at the end and ask God if you have deeper hurts, burdens, pains. God's wanting to set you free from. We're all hunched over, right? We all are. In some way or another, we're all hunched over. And if there is something that God is asking to set you free from, um, what might be your next step? Is there someone you need to speak to about this? Um, can you ask God to help arrange us? So again, I'm going to read it one more time and then we'll have just a minute or two, maybe more to kind of connect some of these dots back into our lives. Um, <clears throat> one Sabbath day, while Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, he encountered a seriously handicapped woman. She was crippled and had been doubled over for 18 years. Her condition was caused by a demonic spirit of bondage that had left her unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her condition, he called her to him and gently laid his hands on her. Then he said, Dear woman, you are free. I release you forever from this crippling spirit. Instantly she stood straight and tall and overflowed with glorious praise to God. The Jewish leader who was in charge of the synagogue was infuriated over Jesus' healing on the Sabbath day. Six days you are to work, he shouted angrily to the crowd. On those days you should come here for healing, but not on the seventh day. The Lord replied, you hypocrites. Don't you care for your animals on the Sabbath? Untying your ox or donkey from the stall and leading it away to water? If you do this for your animals, what's wrong with allowing this beloved daughter of Abraham, who has been bound by Satan for 18 long years, to be untied and set free on a Sabbath day? When they heard this, his critics were completely humiliated. But the crowds shouted with joy over the glorious things Jesus was doing among them. Take a minute or two uh, with with those those kind of four points. Lord, again, the the things that sit on our shoulders, that hunch us over, that cripple us, that deform us. Worry and anxiety. Trying to be perfect. greed, lust, bitterness, (coughs) anger and frustration, hopelessness, sense of being overwhelmed in life, foreboding joy, we all walked into this church bent over, crippled. Once again, Jesus, you walk in to our little, our little synagogue and you set before us the invitation to be set free. I am praying for my brothers and sisters. I'm praying for myself. I'm praying for my brothers and sisters that might be watching online, that might be listening to this, to be set free. To be released. We need that Lord. Thank you for meeting us here in this room in this time. We respond now as the crowd did with shouts of joy. And we are shouting with joy through song. And through worship. Through remembering you in the Eucharist for the healing that you've brought into our lives and the healing that is yet to come. Continue to work in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mr. Brian, yeah, let's do a couple songs.